Welcome to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. In this podcast, we will focus on successful marketing methods for advisors that generate prospects and clients. We will learn from the best in the industry on how advisors in the trenches today are growing their practices. Join us for this journey where Brad draws from years of expertise and guest experts to help advisors reach their full potential. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program, a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. As a financial advisor, marketing and public relations may not be high on your list of must-dos, but they should be. And Brad Swinehart's guest will tell you why. Murray Swift is president and CEO of Impact Communications, a PR and marketing communications firm focused on the financial services industry. And you may have heard Murray speak at a professional conference or read her articles and publications from Barron's, MarketWatch, Forbes, WealthManagement.com, and many others. Brad, did you know 2021, Marie was recognized by WealthManagement.com in its annual industry awards competition and... ThinkAdvisor.com tapped her as part of its luminaries class of 2021. I'm super pumped to have you on the show, Marie. I think it's absolutely amazing that you spent some time with us today. I know you've you've been done doing the Transamerica, Satera, TD Ameritrade events, and you know getting out in front of tons of advisors. And you know, kind of before we get into the advisor side of the business, how is your personal business changed over the last couple of years? Yeah, you know, everything new is old again, right? We were just laughing about corded earbuds that they're now cool again. (laughs) So it feels like we went through a great reset during all that shocker stuff that happened. Like, is this going to be the zombie apocalypse? You know, how can we get toilet paper and Lysol? But, you know, now it's just business as usual. And I think that my business is the same as it's always been. We still help financial advisors and allied institutions to get in front of more of the right kind of people to tell their story and to use digital first. So we're big on credibility marketing. You know, we didn't miss a beat because we've always been remote first at my firm. We were digital and remote before it was a cool thing to do. So, you know, it was a blessing in disguise for us. But I would say that if anything, our business has accelerated because a lot of the conferences and budget for that kind of in-person event, that just kind of fell away. And so there was suddenly appetite and budget to do more to stay in touch with people and using digital and social and all the tools in our tool belt. So you know, um, 2020 was a good year for us. 2021 is a good year for us every year. Hey, it's always a good year at Impact Communications. I think I would do great in a uh, apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world. I think I would be able to like fend for myself and build fire and like um, real just, you know, survival type stuff. I always thought that would be a fun, uh, you know, not, not post-apocalyptic would be fun, but it'd be fun to like go out there and, you know, survive off the land. But <laughs> it is interesting. I mean, we used to go to white glove would go to just a hundred conventions in a year. You know, we were, we were pounding the pavement, getting out there in front of advisors as much as we could. And, and, and oftentimes speaking, doing a lot of, you know, I probably did a hundred speaking arrangements between 2018, 2019 and 2020, we started doing more virtual. And at first I hated it. And then I just grew to love it. And we had some very successful, very large virtual events where we'd have a couple thousand advisors on it. And it just really opened, I think, the whole industry's eyes to, hey, there's a lot of options out there. We got to provide our 
advisors with value and and make sure that we're we're staying connected. And I think that's what ultimately every advisor is trying to do, right? Is try how do they stay connected with their clients? How do they get connected with new prospects? I think one of the things that it all boils down to is just time and money. You know, in your opinion, do advisors spend enough of either when it comes to marketing and PR? Yeah, woefully no. Um, you know, when I do a marketing analysis, and we've been doing quite a few of those out over the last couple of years to see where advisors can have more impact for the time and money they do have, we find that woefully they're spending way too little time and under 3% of their gross budget, their gross annual revenue on their marketing budget. So we talk to them about their appetite for growth and just maintaining the status quo and not losing clients because in impact world, marketing is everything that you're doing to attract and retain clients. So marketing is not just about getting new clients, but impressing the clients that you've got and keeping them reassured that you're still on top of things, that you're growing. You know, the old adage, if you're not growing, you're dying, right? So we recommend that advisors spend a minimum of 3% of their gross revenue on marketing. And of course, a lot of your viewers or listeners are going to say, well, of course you'd say that, right? Because I'm in the business of helping advisory firms do more marketing and do better marketing. And so, you know, we're always looking at where's the bang for the buck and for the time. And, you know, if you don't want to spend the time, you're going to have to spend some money if you want to do it right, because this does take time and money. And if you don't do it, your competitors are going to beat you at the game. Oh, I totally agree. And we actually, the founder of White Glove, he's a financial advisor, and he's seen tremendous growth over the last two years. And he says that you should, if you want to have a highly successful, fast growing practice, you should plan on 10% of your um, budget going to marketing. And then if you just want to maintain, he actually says 5% just to maintain uh, keeping in front of your current clients. So I think, I think you're, you're spot on with that. So what do you see from a business owner standpoint? I'm an advisor. I've just gotten into the business. You know, it's kind of like this, this bait and switch almost when a lot of advisors realize not dollar business owners and they have to, <laughs> they have to do all these other things. Um, where do you recommend they spend their time when it comes to marketing and PR? You know, that's a great question. And I think it all depends. It depends on the makeup of the advisory firm and who their clients are. But one component that I'm a big believer in is PR and credibility marketing, because not everybody can do that, right? If you're good enough to be seen in financial planning magazine and, you know, in front of your peers in a trade publication, well, then you must be good. If you're good enough to have made it into the New York Times, Times or the local newspaper, or even onto an influential podcast or blog, then you must be good. So I think that the power of PR and credibility marketing is huge. And so I would start there because typically you're not going to spend money unless you hire an agency like mine to help you. But you can do a lot of this groundwork on your own by just reading the publication and sending them an idea that would be additive to their viewers or their listeners or their constituents, same with anything, whether it's broadcast or some kind of a, a digital medium, just add value by taking an interest in the human being who is doing the work and who they're trying to serve and pay attention to their work and then feed them an idea. I call it the read and feed program or the watch and feed, the listen and feed, you know, just be in touch and then try to educate because, you know, a lot of advisors, and you probably heard this, Brad, they'll say, well, we don't do any marketing. Well, I say, well, do you do any education? Well, you know, that's marketing. 
marketing and education in service land when you're in a trust-based business, it's the same thing. And I know that I'm singing from your hymn book because you believe in education as a part of what you do at White Glove, right? So, you know, there's some language around what is marketing. It hasn't it doesn't have to be slimy. It doesn't have to be salesy. I mean, ultimately you need to, you know, sign the deal and there's, that's the art of persuasion, but marketing is about attraction. And to me, it's all about education and that comes into content. And I think any business owner really needs to kind of, regardless if you're a dentist, uh, you know, an advisor, if you're a, a state planning attorney, all of that, you know, you can't do anything with a lobby that's empty. Right. If you could be the best estate planning attorney in the world, the best advisor in the world, the best dentist in the world. But if you if your lobby's empty, if nobody knows about you, you're going to go out of business. And yeah, I love the the read and feed idea that that to me just struck a chord. That's awesome. And, and I, I'll do a lot of that stuff too. you know, submit articles or, you know, read and follow somebody. And, and one thing I'll, I'll throw out there is, you know, with that type of, you know, basically free publicity, you got to be prepared to grind that out a little bit. You know, you're not, you're, you may have great information, but that doesn't mean they're always going to pick it up, but stay in touch, lead with value, you know, try to be genuinely helpful. And that's ultimately how I think you're going to land some of those um, bigger opportunities. And the, the more you can just help others in your general area, you know, in, in your vicinity, that the, the more opportunities that would, would arise would be my feedback on that. But I love that read and feed. A quick example, if we have time for one story. I love stories. Okay. <laughs> so um, I've been preaching read and feed forever, even before there was this thing called digital. So I've been around for a long time, 30 plus years doing this. And before I started Impact Communications 28 years ago, I worked inside of a wealth management firm where I was in charge of the marketing for a group of hard charging top producers back in the day when it was cool to be called a top producer. And I think in some circles <laughs> it still is, but in my tribe, it's kind of not because I've gone more in the, the independent advisory fiduciary world and they don't call themselves producers so much, but, you know, I think of myself as a producer, just as a side note, you know, I'm, I'm making it rain. I'm producing the leads for my company and I'm proud of it. You know, call me the face of the organization, a producer, you know, I'm looking for another producer in Embrace my group it. so yep. we can Take serve it. more people. It. Yeah. So um, anyway, back to the story. So I've been preaching this read and feed for a long time, and I was doing a training course for Cheryl Garrett and the Garrett Planning Network, and they had me come to all of their newbie member trainings, and I was talking about working with the press, and so one of my best students... Um, I'll just call him Rich. He started embracing this and he would come to our check-in webinars every now and then and say, you know, Marie, I don't think this read and feed thing is working because I've been doing this for like six or eight months and I'm reading Jonathan Clement's column in the Wall Street Journal. He, Jonathan Clement's was the guy that you wanted to get in with on personal finance back in the day then. And he still is, you know, he's moving and shaking with his own, um, his platform called the Humble Dollar now. And I think he still writes for some traditional trade pubs and, and consumer press. But anyway, so Rich says to me, I don't think it's working. Well, like a week later, his phone rings and this very British voice on the other end of the phone says, hello, is this Rich? This is Jonathan Clements calling from the Wall Street Journal. And, and Rich thought it was one of his buddies just playing a joke on him. So he about spit out his coffee and he's like, oh no, it is not Jonathan Clements. And it was. <laughs> and so long story short, 
Jonathan Clements had been getting his read and feed ideas for all this time and just kind of filing them away because he was waiting for the right time. You know, these people have editorial mandates and, you know, other things that they're working on. So the timing wasn't right, but he had kept all of Rich's ideas and he just called him out of the blue and said, I want to talk about this one. And long story short, they hit it off and Rich became a regular in Jonathan Clements' Wall Street Journal personal finance columns. Boom. That's awesome. It just takes perseverance, yeah. right? Right time, right place. But the only way you can ensure you're doing that is if you stay in the right place and just wait for the right time, right? Yeah. So I think that's something that that many people in professional lives just kind of, oh, I tried this. It didn't work. You know, probably was the, the, the correct place, but it was just the wrong time. Um, if we're telling stories here, do you know who Bozo the Clown is? Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. So I grew up in the, I grew up in the eighties and in the eighties, 19, let's say 87, 1989, like the coolest thing to do when you were a kid, that's, you know, four to six years old was to be on the Bozo show. I mean, that was it. Like that was the pinnacle of like child game shows. And um, ultimately what happened was my grandmother, uh, me and my brother, I was four, he was six. She was like, I'm getting you guys tickets. You're going to be on that show. And it was a five year waiting list, five-year waiting. So you had to, you had to, if you wanted your four-year-old to be on the show, you had to apply for tickets before you even conceived a child. <laughs> that's, how, that's how backed up Bozo was. And um, ultimately what happened was we were really sad. Four-year-old Brad was really sad. You know, six-year-old Jeremy was very sad. And um, lo and behold, you know, five years later, I get a call from my grandma and she goes, your tickets are here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, yeah, we got tickets for you and your brother to go on the show. Now, the worst thing when you're nine is to go on the Bozo show. Four, you're the coolest person in the world. But when you're nine, but you can't tell grandma no. So somewhere there's floating a video of me and my brother being way awkwardly tall. But it just takes time, right? It yeah. has to fit into that, that media schedule. So, um, yeah, we did it. And it was a lot of fun. But I will never admit to that in person if somebody asks me and I found the only copy of that video and it will never see the light of day again. So, <laughs> all right. So pandemic, it's crazy. We haven't done a quite a zombie apocalypse just yet, but some of this stuff just knocked a lot of the wind out of some advisor sales. You know, what are you seeing that from a client community client communication standpoint or a business building standpoint, what are you seeing that's working what are you seeing that advisors are struggling with, but if they stick with it, it's worth it. You know, what are you recommending right now for a framework of marketing success? So during the worst of the pandemic, when we felt like we all got punched in the nose, I started this study. I call it the Conversations That Matter study. And it turned out to be a whole project. So it started out to be a survey and then it became a study and then it became webinars and it became all sorts of cool stuff and got awards. And I was really grateful that Allianz Life Insurance Company, who wants to be in front of advisors and help them understand the power of annuities, sponsored this work. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to find the wherewithal to do it. But, you know, it, it makes it really helpful when you have a sponsor behind your work. So what I found out during the worst of the pandemic with the 342 advisors who responded to the survey and half of whom wrote me essay questions telling me their stories is that it's the balance of I know what I'm talking about, that I know I'm an expert, I got this, 
and I care, that you're not just a number to me, that we actually have a relationship that I can help you get the toilet paper and the Lysol and learn how to order from Uber Eats if you need to or, or whatever, because a lot of people were not just prepared for this uh, kind of a reset with the way we lived and worked and, and just existed together and got information and saw our way through. So what's true about that is the I know I care balance in your communications is more important than ever. I would say that as we all have devices, the power of digital in the palms of our hands, whether it's a webcam that we sit and we record, or we've got an iPhone or some kind of a contraption that we can shoot video or photos, that people want to know who they're working with. So you know, knowing that you care about them, that you know your stuff, but you're a, a human being with your own um, authentic interests and values and character. People want to know that more than ever. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And so you might as well help people see who you really are because they're going to see it anyway, right? You're looking into my home office here. Over here is a cluttered mess where my daughter has her art station because <laughs> she moved home from college, right? And, you know, I, I have an office down the road. I had an office anyway, just to kind of like, check that off for people who came to town, but now everybody's like, okay, well, you're at home. I'm at home. So I'm never going back to my office office again. So um, office office. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. My office office and my home office, but you know, your question was about what's working now. So it, you know, there's marketing and then there's digital marketing or is there, right? So everything is digital now. And I still think that some tangible materials can play a part, like, you know, go old school, get some postcards out every once in a while or a tangible letter or a gift package. Some of the advisors who responded to my conversations at Matter Study sent care packages of biscuits and soup or cookies or, you know, those uh, fruit bouquets or, you know, things like that. So people want the tangible, but they want the digital. So digital works. And I think that the trick there is to get the right kind of digital for your clients, for your centers of influence, and for your brand, right? So I talk about in my training courses, the four C's of content. So it's canned, curated, custom, and credibility. And I tend to specialize on those top two, the canned and the curated are not so much where I think impact communications has the most value, but the custom content that only the advisor or the advisory firm can write that's uniquely theirs, that says I'm a part as a subject matter expert. And then the credibility marketing and that's being in the press or having your content published by third-party credible outlet where you get that halo effect and that extra distribution as well. That creates the perception that you must be good and you start to enter this realm of thought leader, which is different than a subject matter expert. So what's working is the four C's, but I would say the emphasis on credibility and also custom content. And I think that's the ultimate position for an advisor to be in is be that thought leader in their community. And how would you suggest, you know, if we're talking about custom content and, you know, the things that only that advisor can share about themselves or their office or their practice, or their expertise, you know, where should they look to do that when it comes to all of these options in a, in a digital means, right? You could, you could find anything in the palm of your hand, uh, but where should an advisor focus on from a digital perspective to showcase that, that human side of their business? Yeah. So um, 
let's say that you're uh, an RIA, you're in South Carolina, you have 35 people on staff and you're considered a large firm. Maybe you have a billion or more under management. A good way for that firm to market to their more progressive clientele in that community would be to come out with character and culture content, something that shows what they do to build the teamliness, to celebrate internal wins, to congratulate people on sabbaticals and new babies. And that can be done in video or pictures and just you know, pulling back the curtain to show who are these people at the firm and do they like each other? And would they like working with me? Would I like working with them? So that would be one way to create content that resonates with their target market. Um, let's say I'm an RIA and I'm in San Antonio and I deal, my firm is a billion plus and we deal with people who... Um, have multinational interests and multi-generational wealth, and they cross the border from Mexico, Central South America, and Europe, and they live in Texas as their primary or secondary abode. So what would resonate with those people would probably be, of course, a little character and culture, but also a page written in Spanish to welcome them in their native language or content that talks specifically to their concerns, like how am I going to make sure that the next generation who inherits the family ranch or the family manufacturing plant or whatever that is, and these are large family firms typically, that they don't squander it. So that kind of content might be better as a webinar where it could be a little bit more long form. It might be a white paper or some infographics that can be communicated, you know, how the firm actually thinks about these things, not just from an investment perspective, but from a family values and coaching perspective. So um, I think that, you know, whatever you do, give it a shot, stick with it for at least a year. And then try to determine if it's working. It might be that you measure engagement on social media or attendance at your webinars or that people say, I see you everywhere. Or, I so appreciated that you're sending these monthly or weekly communications. So I think that, that if you create a long form piece of content, here's a little pro tip. Um, don't just create long form content, chunk it out, turn it into lots of little bits and bites and keep that going. And you can create a nice little quarterly campaign from that one big work effort. Do you see a clear benefit on one platform over another? Platform meaning like a podcast versus a webinar series or? Yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking like, you know, should we focus on LinkedIn to get business owners? Should I focus on Facebook to get the population in my area, you know, what about TikTok and Twitter and, you know, Clubhouse, like what should it, Instagram, right? Sometimes, sometimes it's just this barrage, uh, whatever meta is, right? <laughs> this barrage of social platforms that people are on every day, but where do you think the most bang for the buck is for that advisor to represent themselves? Or does that content fit differently depending on that platform? Well, I think it depends on, again, who they're after. So a quick example, there's a firm in Silicon Valley, and they work with a lot of you know, very affluent people who have got stock options in the works. They're already happened, and they're a younger clientele. They're a little bit more sophisticated. That 
you know, Silicon Valley crowd, and they find that they like Instagram, their, their audience likes Instagram and Instagram TV. So that's where this advisory firm is seen primarily is there, but also to some extent on LinkedIn, because a lot of these people will use LinkedIn to keep in touch to to look for news that's coming through with their networks, with their connections. So, you know, I would just be where your best clients are. If they're on Facebook, they're more retired, keeping up with grandkids, or I don't know, do we even call it Facebook anymore? But, you know, maybe that's <laughs> I do, but yeah, I might be old school, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, you just be where your best clients are and, you know, ask them, maybe do a survey or a soft poll and say, hey, what social media do you use? Do you like getting emails? How often do you like emails? Do you prefer that we do more or less client events? And maybe form an advisory board. I knew a great guy who does facilitates those client advisory boards. His name is Stephen Wershing from the Client Driven Practice. And he's led a couple of those, helped our clients create them. And then he facilitates by flying in to talk to the people who come to that gathering. He does it virtually as well. But I think you have to know your clients and who you're after and then be where they are, whether it's the church or the virtual church directory. I love that. And what I always see, because we we primarily focus on the early retirees, pre-retiree market, you know, most of our advisors, that's their, um, that's their ideal demographic. And, you know, ours is general education, right? Taxes, estate planning, social security. So we always, mm-hmm. I always have found that, you know, Facebook is a great place to showcase your human side of your business. Because just like you said, they're scrolling through pictures of the grandkids, um, and that's where you want your face to be. And then what we see on the LinkedIn side is that that's where they're going to stalk you. You know, if I know uh, Bree is a, a professional, then I'm going to find her on LinkedIn and see what she's all about. And I know mm-hmm. kind of use that as a as a resume or an ad platform almost um, what advisors are are doing in, in that vein. But it's interesting to hear the, the Instagrams, you know, for that particular subset of clients or, yeah, doing a, a survey makes a ton of sense. I love Steven. He's a great guy. Uh, very engaging podcast host as well. So um, I like like yes, working. Well, as we kind of hit up close to this thirty minute mark, what is new and exciting for you? What's what's coming on the the horizon? Right, that's always the question. Like, okay, well, we just went through all of this. Now what? Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I'm deep in the trenches doing 2022 planning with my clients and for my own firm. And, you know, boy, what a year this has been. I just got back from a full week in New York, as you said at the beginning of the show, you know, hobnobbing around at these awards and, you know, getting together in person. That's really exciting. You're going to have to dust off one of those shelves back where to put all your awards up there. I (laughs) did. I've got my stuff right here where you can see it. There's my crystal award, my plaque and my program, just (laughs) one of them, but it was, it's fun. It's nice to be acknowledged, but at the end of the day, you know, um, I want other people to call me a thought leader and that's really gratifying, but here's my other pro tip. Don't call yourself a thought leader. Let other people say that about you. So um, thank you for saying that about me. That's really kind of you. But so what's new for me? Um, I've got a lot of new clients, some exciting projects that I'm not ready to talk about yet, but we're working on a big paper right now on income distribution strategies. We're working with um, advisors to help them understand reverse mortgages and how the reverse mortgages of the past may actually fit. They're not the same. They actually can fit within the a comprehensive financial plan, that kind of stuff. So I like a good challenge, um, credentials and the matter 
of how do you impress people with your I care, I know factor and, you know, knowing because you have credentials that make you look smart is important. So a lot of good work with different clients. And of course, continuing on with our advisory firm clients who hire us for branding and marketing plans and PR and all of that good stuff. So we love it. We love the variety and, and couldn't ask for a better community or a better career. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I've got to go back and re-listen to this and pick up. It's, there's so many just little things that you said that I was like, oh, I love that. And I'm starting to write it down, right? Like <laughs> the read and feed is great. The I know I care. That's awesome. A lot of a lot of golden nuggets in here um, that I stole that from my buddy, Luke Gakery. But uh, <laughs> that's what they term those little, little gems in there. But yeah, I love it. Thank you for being on the show. We're definitely going to bring you back then once you're a once you can talk about all the good new stuff that, <laughs> that you're rolling out, we'll have you back on. All right. And just follow me on social media because that's where I announce all my cool new stuff. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Maria. Brad Swinehart with his guest, Maria Swift, president and CEO of Impact Communications. Follow this podcast and catch every new show. And of course, share with friends and colleagues. This podcast is brought to you by White Gloves Podcast Connect Program a done-for-you, fully integrated podcasting system that will help you keep in touch with all of your leads. Thank you for listening to Be Advised, Leading with Value with Brad Swinehart. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of White Glove. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.